Welcome to the No More Late Fees podcast. I'm Jackie. And I'm Danielle. And we're just two best friends and ex-Blockbuster employees re-watching some of the best and worst movies from the late 90s and early 2000s. This week, we are taking on Aliens Among Us with Men in Black, a double feature. But before we dive in, let's get into some housekeeping. If you love the podcast and you want to support us, here's a few ways that you can. You can become one of our Patreon besties and gain access to exclusive content, stickers, Ask Me Anythings, polls, bonus videos, lives, Spotify playlists, and more. Head on over to patreon.com slash no more late fees. And if money is a little tight, because this fucking recession is coming and inflation is a bitch, no worries. Just hit us up on a review site like Apple Podchasers, Good Pods, or your favorite podcast platform and leave us a review. Hopefully it's a good one. Don't don't come on there if you're going to leave a negative review. We don't want that. (laughs) Positive vibes only. And we've got merch. Head on over to nomorelatefees.redbubble.com. Peruse our offerings. We have apparel. We have bags we have houseware anything we could throw our logo on so head on over and check us out well let's dive into the movie the men in black series is an american science fiction action comedy film series loosely based on the men in black comic book series created by lowell cunningham and sandy caruthers god i'm sorry sandy if i did not say your last name right i think it's caruthers and sandy caruthers The film follows agents K and J, who are members of a secret organization called the Men in Black. They supervise extraterrestrial life forms who live on Earth and hide their existence from ordinary humans. The movie Men in Black from 1997 stars Tommy Lee Jones, Will Smith, Linda Fiorentino, Vincent D'Onofrio, Tony Shalhoub, and Rip Torn. And Men in Black 2 stars Tommy Lee Jones, Will Smith, Lara Flynn Boyle, Johnny Knoxville, Rosario Dawson, Tony Shalhoub, and Rick Tor. The screenplay by Ed Solomon for Men in Black, and then Robert Gordon and Barry Fanaro for Men in Black 2. Directed by Barry Sonnenfield for both movies, and you can watch both movies on Hulu. But before we start, let's get into our ratings. So you know the drill. Before we get into the movie, we'll reveal the rating our Y2K versions of ourselves would give. Then at the end, we'll see if our current selves agree with our initial rating. Our scale consists of would buy it, would buy it again. The best would plan repeat. Five-day rental. Would watch again. Two-day rental. Mm, Okay, but nothing to write home about. And same-day rental. Space trash! (laughs) Straight up trash. Living in the dumpster with Edgar's relatives. (laughs) Trash. What is your Y2K rating, Jackie? Of Men in Black 1. Let's start there. Would buy it. Mm -hmm. 100%. For me? For you? (laughs) I... I have a hard time rating this from Y2K Danielle, mainly because she don't remember. She she watched it. But if you know me, which obviously Jack, but anybody on the who's been listening to the podcast 
and if you know me, you know, I don't like creepy crawling things. I don't like bugs. I don't like armadillos. And, and I'm going to say this as nicely as I can. Do not fucking send any pictures of possums, armadillos, or creepy things because I said I didn't like them. And our direct messages, it's not cool. I will block You'll get you. blocked. <laughs> it's not a joke. It's like le- legitimately making my skin crawl wanting to itch. I itched all night watching both of these fucking movies. <laughs> So it's a two day on both movies for me because I struggled so hard to get through it. And that is just a personal preference for me. It has nothing to do with how well the actors were. I just could not get my brain and my body to just ease on down because there were so many triggers in this fucking movie trail. Like ease on down, ease on down is on down the road (laughs) i'm sorry i love sci-fi i really do i love a conspiracy theory you know i do but this is where you draw the line i'm (laughs) itching just thinking about it my rating for men in black 2 is a five day y2k jackie right 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 tell Um, us about the box office okay i'm fine i'm fine i'm fine all right let's dive into the first movie so the budget for men in black one was 90 million and it made a worldwide box office of 589.3 million dollars whoa it's a lot of alien cash it was released July 2nd, 1997. It it became the year's third highest grossing film. It received positive reviews with critics praising the script, set pieces, and performances by Jones and Smith. It also received three Academy Award nominations, Best Art, Direction, Best Original Score, and Best Makeup, which I'm going to say it highly deserved. This movie does amazing things with its makeup and all the things that they had to do okay and obviously the film spawned the men in black franchise including two sequels men in black 2 and men in black 3 a spin-off film men in black international that came out in 2019 and an animated series that ran from 1997 to 2001 and this movie is the highest grossing action buddy comedy in the u.s box office history oh I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. As for Men in Black 2, it came it came a kick and it was really close. The budget was $140 million, obviously, because they, they upped the budget because they knew, hey, did well the first time. Didn't quite make the numbers the first movie did. It came in at $441.8 million. <laughs> so, so much less. It was released again that 4th of July weekend, July 3rd, 2002, and it earned million on its opening day, which made it the third highest Wednesday opening behind Star Wars Episode One, The Phantom Menace, and Jurassic Park 3. It would go on to make about $52 plus million during its opening weekend, becoming the highest 4th of July three-day opening weekend, surpassing its predecessor, Men in Black. Mm. And Men in Black 2 also would go on to hold the record for having the largest 4th of July opening until it was surpassed by Spider-Man 2 in 2004. Damn it, Toby. It also was going up one of your favorite movies, Jackie. 
Lilo and Stitch. Lilo and Stitch. Yeah. It knocked it because, you know, Lilo came out in that last weekend of June, June 26. Was it? I don't know if it came out that day or if it's just 626 is Lilo and Stitch oh, day. Because... You're right. You're right. But I, I believe it came out that summer. In the it did. It definitely came out in 2002, sometime around that time frame, <laughs> June 16th. So it had been in the theaters for a few weeks before this. And what's really interesting, because now, like, it's our tradition that we do a Will Smith Fourth of July movie. It seems it's just what has to happen, <laughs> even though it's only two seasons. But yes, we are following in that tradition because we did Independence Day. But we did choose these two movies because they are respectively the 25th and the 20th anniversary of Men in Black 1 and 2. Which works out great. And if you didn't know, Will Smith is the king of 4th of July. He has had back-to-back number one 4th of July weekend hits from the mid-90s all the way into the 2000s. In 96, he had Independence Day. 99, Wild Wild West. Surprisingly, I know we know that movie didn't do great, but it still did numbers for 4th of July weekend. 2002, we had Men in Black 2. And then we had Hancock, but I don't know what year that came out. It's outside of our... It's outside of our... It's like 2008. And that's it. That's... That 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 that's is, what you that's, got. That's the monies. That's the monies for the movies. Do you um, want to talk about some casting before we jump in? Yeah, they had some really interesting casting. Some people in mind for the cast for the first movie, especially. We almost got a different Agent K and a different Agent J. So, how would you have felt if Clint Eastwood was Tommy Lee Jones' role? I don't like it. <laughs> yeah, that's a. That's a no for me. So Tommy Lee Jones plays the straight man, but he does it with a twinkle in his eye, which I don't think Clint Eastwood would have been able to pull off. Not at all. I, no, I can't see it. I can't see it at all. And I have a feeling that if we got Clint Eastwood, we might not have gotten Will Smith. Yeah. Just a guess. Agreed. Just a gut feeling. We had some other people that could have Chris O'Donnell and David Schwimmer. Could you imagine them being Agent J? I'm going to tell you something. I can't imagine anyone but Will Smith in this role. Like not even a little bit. Like it, it would break my brain. That's how like perfect and I know it's probably because he did a lot of improv and really made this role his right but I mean it was perfect casting both K and J perfect casting I think looking back like as I was rewatching the movie one of the things that really hit me was you know Will Smith has worked really hard on his craft and his acting abilities have improved vastly so to like look back on this and you know it's a little corny at times yeah but it actually made me very proud of him of how hard he's worked to make that leap but I don't think he did a bad job because you know Tommy Lee Jones is is no joke (laughs) so to keep up with him and they had really good chemistry it was almost like a father-son or older brother vibe going on between the two of them that was nice you see it more in the second movie because there's like a loneliness to Agent J. Like he just wants K back, it feels. 
Yeah. And the casting of Vincent D'Onofrio as Edgar <laughs> or the cockroach, like within five minutes of his character becoming the bug, I was like, why was this man not nominated for an Oscar for this performance? Oh my God, when he pulled the skin back, I know it's fake. Like this? <laughs> and the way that he was able to contort his face, I yes. don't know how much of that was visual effects and stuff, but. How did he make his voice so wet? Oh, <laughs> yeah. Like, it was just everything. He was so perfectly method in his acting in this. It was just, uh, he needs, he needs an Oscar for it. I don't care if they give it to him now and be like, I'm sorry, we fucked up. Here's your Oscar <laughs> for playing Edgar in the first Men in Black. Cause chef's kiss. It was perfect. He did a really good job. I think everybody was, the cast was perfect. You know, even down to Tony Shalhoub, you know, he played it he feels like an alien in real life like, I, I know that sounds awful but like out of this world he's just a, he's an amazing actor obviously and he's great I just felt like he was perfectly cast in that role there is one casting misstep I feel Lin- Linda Fiorentino yes I I cut no just no I don't she feels the same in every single role like I sat there and I was like I'm watching Bethany from Dogma just in a morgue like that's it, it was just flat like it, that would have been such a fun role to like immerse yourself in and she her acting felt like she couldn't care less if she was there on set or not yeah I think if they had gotten somebody more charismatic it would have been great to have this I mean obviously she was a doctor she was really smart but you can have personality and not be monotone no no I just mean that there was a lot of there there was there was a lot that could have been chewed on a little bit more exactly it wasn't like as you know portrayed as like a sex kitten I guess there were some awkward flirting things going on between her and agent J and I kind of hate this this happens a lot especially with very prominent black actors where they have these movies where it it seems like the female lead there's some kind of romance but they never go fully for it and it's Mm -hmm. always because they're afraid of the backlash of the racism and stuff but to me it's like okay then just don't do it it's so uncomfortable and especially in this movie there was zero chemistry between them none especially when you compare it to him and rosario dawson in the second movie which like immediate chemistry but because rosario dawson like has that spark right whereas linda Fortino didn't and apparently she just won her role in a poker game with Barry Sonnenfeld so I it was just that was I I think Men in Black for me would be almost one of those like perfect comedy movies 
if her role had been different because she's in so much of the movie to just sit there and be like her again (laughs) (laughs) i was was thinking i'm like they should have just gotten tia leone from bad boys a hundred percent i mean if you're gonna play this I'm a white lady, you're a black guy, we're flirting, but nothing's ever going to come of it. I mean, they already did it in Bad Boys, so why not just bring her back, I guess. And like, yeah, and her her ability to, maybe it's keeping up with Will Smith and keeping up with Tommy Lee Jones is pretty difficult. And maybe you need like a Taya Leone where she's able to keep up with him. Yeah. She's proved it before where this just fell flat. So and if you, almost perfect casting. <laughs> and if you want a romance, then just cast a black actress. There's a ton that could have just done it if if you're afraid, which I think is really, really stupid. Yeah. But it is what it is. Hollywood stupid dum dum nonsense <laughs> we almost got a different director too so quentin tarantino was originally offered the chance to direct but he turned it down and spielberg who is the executive producer of both of these all the i believe all the films he was thinking about directing but he chose to just produce instead i know that him and barry kind of like butted heads not butted heads but they had very different directions on the of the direction of where the first movie was going to go and they had to work through it. I don't think they had the same issue in the second movie because obviously Barry had proven himself and his insight and thought was spot on. So, yeah, which is nice. I, I, I wonder though, I do wonder how different the movie would have been if Steven Spielberg had directed it. Yeah. Question mark. Yeah, the feel of this is exactly how we need it to feel. I I think Barry Sonnenfeld's direction combined with Danny Elfman's score, it had just the right feel. It had just the right amount of quirky sci-fi, kind of paying homage to old sci-fi movies from the 50s. Yeah. But then also having that comedic edge to it. It just, everything worked. Except for not Bethany in this movie. (laughs) I don't even know her name. It's just Bethany. Is it Laura? I think it is. No, Laura was. No, they have Laurel and Laura. So they use the same names. Fuck, man. Why? (laughs) So Laurel is Linda's name in the first movie. And then it's Laura in the second one. Somebody in love with Laura and decided to add it. And one of the things that I did love that Barry added to the movie was, you know, because he's a New Yorker. He decided to keep the movie in New York. Originally, they were talking about having it set up all around the country in different places. But he said that New York is like the perfect place for aliens among us to just be among us and nobody would give it a second thought and I was like very true and we see that in when Kay is starting to get his memories back and he sees like all of the people out on the street (laughs) it's like one has a tail there's someone peeking out of the manhole cover and then that tandem bicycling couple that's all in lights which they were in the first one and then they make a couple of quick cameos in the second one. And they actually are a real couple that do that in their neighborhood in New York. I love that. 
(laughs) (laughs) And I, I believe that that's a hundred percent true. And one of the other things that I, I do appreciate about these movies is the ode to shows like the twilight zone a little bit here and there. And just like those shows that you would stay up at night and it's mysteries that, you know, is the swamp thing real? I'm like, is it, is it real? You know, I don't know. Mysteries of the unknown. Yes. Yes. (laughs) Love it. Love that. Okay. Well, let's start talking about men in black. The movie opens up. There's a a box truck crossing the border of Mexico and the U S it feels, it's so topical. I cannot believe it. It was 97. We're still going through this stuff. What I do love also is that Tommy Lee Jones gets to brush off his Espanol He does. You, you want to give us a little taste? No. I, <laughs> I have learned my lesson. I have heard your reviews, your hot takes of my whole- I love it. They want more. They, they want more. Hi, I will- I will talk to you sweet, sweet nothings on, on Instagram, but I can't. <laughs> so yes, they're pulled over by border patrol, everyone out of the car, men in black show up, Tommy Lee Jones goes and is like talking to each individual person. They're like corresponding. And then he gets to this guy and Tommy Lee's saying all sorts of bullshit. And the guy's just like, ah, see. <laughs> so obviously he's like okay cuts him open and it's mikey the alien and he's like mikey what i tell you about jumping probation yes so he's like mikey we talked about this and mikey's just like i don't know and's like holding the head on a (laughs) stick but then one of the border patrol officers kind of comes up over the hill sneaking around his fucking business as usual not Not wanting to accept that his authority of harassing these people like he was mad he was big mad and he came and looked and you play stupid games you win stupid prizes and I love how Mikey's eyeballs are kind of like on tentacles. And then he's just like, Burp, and like yeah. looks behind him and sees the police officer. And so he turns around, starts running at him. Police officer is frozen, screaming. <laughs> what I was confused about was why Mikey went into attack mode just because the guy was just looking. He He didn't have his gun. So... What was I think about? it's just anyone that knows about aliens is a threat. I I guess so. I, I just I was like, does he eat people? Well, he Maybe. was really the way in which he's <laughs> running at him. And it is to be noted at this point that Agent K has a partner, and he looks like he is ready for retirement home senior citizen life. Like he is barely standing up and he can't get to his gun at this point trying to stop Mikey and at this point Agent K has to pull out his because his buddies can't do it and all of a sudden Mikey is blue goo they used so much like crap (laughs) they used so much glue for this scene 25 gallon drum of blue goo for the scene when they shot Mikey 
that is a like 25 gallons just picture that that's a lot of (laughs) and I know so the good thing about when I was rewatching it it was the graphics have not aged completely Mm -hmm. the best so I didn't feel as grossed out so I was like okay it's fake it's fake Yeah, they call in the hazmat team. He flashy things all of the rest of the border patrol. And the flashy thing is a neuralizer. It wipes their memories. And so. God, imagine if we had one of those. What? (laughs) Just. How do you know we don't? I meant you and me, Jackie. Oh, us. Yes. What would you. What would you use it for? traveling so I don't have to pay to get on airplanes (laughs) the first thing I thought was if I I could go back to some of the bosses I've had over the years I would slap (laughs) the fucking shit out of them (laughs) and then violence always first (laughs) yeah I would probably do it like four or five times in a row (laughs) just flash them a few times and then I would have that memory that I slapped a bitch right oh I mean I'm sure there's way better things (laughs) there's so many other things that I could do to use that for 100% I would also use it on guys that I slept with that I don't ever want to talk to again and and I would do it on myself so I wouldn't remember that I I did that that's fair but leave yourself a note like if this guy ever calls you just mm-hmm. say no no like I'll, I'll record what I'm supposed to say after okay. I do it to myself like bitch you see this man run run <laughs> <laughs> so after everything's cleaned up Kay is sitting with his old ass partner and the partner's like I I can't hack it anymore. I need you to neuralize me. I'm going into retirement. So Kay is like, okay, and neuralizes him. Now cut to Agent J, who is still James at this point. Quick yeah. question. Why doesn't the company, it's been around for a few decades now. Why doesn't it have a protocol, a, a program <laughs> to have more, agents coming through I guess it does but the way that it made it it seems because like we know agent J ends up replacing agent K's former partner but then at the end we find out he's like I haven't just been training you you're replacing me so Mm -hmm. I'm like but who replaced the other guy I just saw that was like an HR problem but I'm just maybe they had because in the second one they have Kronk as his partner so maybe they just had Kronk pushing papers until it was his time to like go and be Jay's partner maybe maybe but why not pull them up then because Kronk's an idiot (laughs) okay continue (laughs) so we see James is chasing this guy they're doing like flippies jumping over fences the guy's super fast he jumps off of a bridge James decides to do the same, lands in like a double-decker tour bus, says something about Black people falling from the sky. Which was completely ad-libbed. Yeah. By Will Smith. And so it's just a a chase scene. 
But what Jane notices is that the assailant starts to scale the side of the building and he's like, well, that shit is new. And so he scaling the Guggenheim, which is insane. (laughs) And then Jay breaks into the Guggenheim and is running up the steps, (laughs) the little spirally staircase inside gets to the top. And the guy's like, pretty much like I'm, I fucked up. He's going to kill me. And then he blinkies his eyes and he like, his eyes blink the wrong way. They blink like vertically instead of horizontally. And Jay's like, well, that shit isn't right. And then the guy (laughs) jumps off the building and kills himself. So Jay is brought in for questioning. And while he's in there, it's really quick. But you see not Bethany walk in and she's like, I'm from the morgue. I found some weird shit. Come find me. And she leaves. But then soon thereafter, Kay comes in. He's like, thank you so much. I believe you, blah, blah, blah. And then he neuralizes Jay. So Jay has no memory of bug guy jumping off of the Guggenheim. I thought he took, he didn't do that until after he took Jay to go look at the guns and stuff. Did he neuralize him in the room? I thought he asked him like what he saw. He, you know, he pulled out the security cam and then. You're right. So I apologize. Not Bethany is uh, neuralized in the station. You see like a flash in the hallway while Kay is talking to Jay. And when Jackie says Bethany, what she is referencing, Linda his name from Dogma, a totally different movie. <laughs> That's first, what I know her of. Who's Bethany? Who the fuck is Bethany? Bethany? Yeah. I keep I, I say not Bethany because she's not Bethany, but <sighs> because then we have Linda and Laura, and then we have Laurel and Laura. Like it's just confusing. So <laughs> not Bethany. Anyway, so yes, you are correct. Kay is impressed that Jay kept up with this alien. Because this alien is like apparently really fast. And he's also really, I think he's also impressed in the fact that Jay isn't losing his shit. Yeah. That he's pretty composed. He's able to tell what happened. And he does take him down to go see Jeebs. Jeebs, which Jay knows him as just like a pawn salesman guy who's a skeeve essentially a crook and Kay is like okay and he's actually an arms dealer (laughs) in the alien world essentially and Jay thinks he's got the edge over Kay in this situation because he's like you know I know my beat I know the streets (laughs) Kay just pops this guy in the fucking head with an alien gun and his head explodes or whatever and jay that i think that's the first time jay blinks is like what the fuck is going on you just killed this guy <laughs> and then all of a sudden here comes like this tiny like it's a, head. an inflated a slowly inflated <laughs> balloon yeah and he's like don't you know how much that stings <laughs> and i and I'm going to just call him Monk in, in this. one's going to have their correct names except for Kay and Jen. No. He, at first, like, I didn't, I knew it was Tony Shalhoub, but his head just looks so much bigger than the rest of the body. It just didn't even look like his body at the time. 
when I was watching it. And I was just very confused. His ears are very big. They did a really good job. That's he all has that, that wonky eye. Yeah. So after that, obviously he fesses up and shows all the guns and Jay is still trying to figure out what the fudge is going on. And Kay realizes who's who's there because of the gun that Jay actually points out to say that's what the guy had. So they leave. I, I don't think they do anything else to Monk. They leave and they... And that's when Kay flashy things. Yeah. Jay. So, oh, they leave. They go to the diner, right? They go to the diner. So after he flashes him, they're in the diner and he, Jay, Kay is telling a weird story as if they had been drinking for a long time. Yeah. And you could just see Kay is kind of like comatose, essentially just like what the, Jay, I mean, is, and then he gives, Kay gives Jay that card to meet him the next day jay doesn't know what the fuck's going on still yep and so meanwhile while all of this is going on we are introduced to edgar Edgar and his wife her is verbally and probably physically abusive to his wife beatrice played by siobhan fallon hogan so a spaceship crashes in their front yard takes out edgar's beloved truck (laughs) the cow is not bothered by any of these events and so Edward storms out is looking in the hole is like what the fuck are you and then the cockroach alien grabs Edgar I guess eats his insides and then puts on an Edgar suit I love when he's (laughs) just like shh sugar water (laughs) it's like (laughs) and he's like more more and she just keeps like <laughs> scooping and then she pours the whole sugar bowl in and then he just like chugs it and then when Kay and Jay got an interviewer she like he he kept asking for sugar water <laughs> like, it's just <laughs> the best so and then, and then also in this scene she's like your skin's a, a little loose Edgar you got a loose skin and so he turns around and like looks and it's like the suit Edgar suit doesn't fit well so he's like is this better and pulls his skin back and it's very reminiscent of Beetlejuice Beetlejuice. yes so good and that that man an Oscar and I was like it's not real it's not real it's not real it's not real it is not real I the weird thing is I could see like I could see surgery maybe and I'm fine but the creepy crawling things and the the crunch noises when he was stepping on cockroaches and the the giz and I just not good not good at all not not good Mm -mm. so I'm assuming it's the next day and the exterminator shows up because they have cockroaches in their barn I don't know if it was a scheduled visit if Beatrice just, called because she saw up. If, if he his spidey sense was tingling it was like I need to go to this property it was weird because you would think he would have gone inside and talked to the owners if you're just going to be spraying someone's barn yeah. and house although my bug duck guy doesn't ring my bell he text messages me says he's here and then he does his thing and leaves yeah but that's because there's text messaging now but if you know they're going to be here and they're just spraying the barn and leaving that's true. I mean, it it seems like a scheduled visit, but obviously Edgar did not like that. And killing his his kind, 
he was not taken too kind to that and he that he man him. died a horrible death yeah Edgar bad. stuck the like spray gun down the man's throat and like pulled the trigger and like, killed him with his own bug spray <laughs> but now Edgar has a nice little truck to drive around that's had a cockroach on top, I think, at first, but then he had to shove his spaceship in it. So I think the cockroach had to come off. My question is, why did Beatrice live? Like, why would Edgar keep her alive? Yeah, because, I mean, he, he killed pretty freely. Yeah, he killed any chance that he got, pretty much. Yeah. So, so I don't know why he left Beatrice. Yeah. But Edgar heads out because he's on a mission. There's somewhere he needs to be. And while all this is happening, you know, Kay is putting pieces together. But Jay goes the, that following morning, or yeah, I'm guessing the morning, to the Men in Black headquarters. Doesn't know what the hell's going on. He's sitting in one of those egg chairs. I When I used to play The Sims... When I thought I was a decorator on The Sims, I would always get that fucking chair. The egg chair with the purple velvet on the end. Which inside. he has proven are not comfortable. Whatever. I was like, <laughs> it's the fucking Sims. They weren't going to complain. The, the physical comedy in this scene is fucking fantastic. So it's Jay and everyone else seems to be decorated in military. Right. And they have to take this paper test and they're all just sitting in their little egg chairs and they can't find comfortable positions and the pencils busting through the paper and they're trying to do it on the <laughs> side of the egg. And Jay breaks his pencil and is fumbling for a, a few seconds and then decides, well, there's a coffee table. I'm just going to pull it up next to me. <laughs> And the sound this coffee table makes scraping against the floor in this dead-ass quiet room is just fucking hilarious. And then he's very kind. He's like, you want to share this? Like, to the guy next to him. After he clowned him, by the way. Yeah. Clowned the guy first before I mean, he's like, anyone. Well, he didn't just say it to the guy. He said, anyone want to get on in on this? Yeah. So, But I think that test was also to see how outside the box they're thinking yes. it could be and which I would have jo- just gone and sat on the floor at the coffee table I wouldn't have tried to drag it over to that uncomfortable ass chair I I yeah <laughs> I, I, so then, I love that scene and I also love that he's wearing red which is a mm-hmm. huge contrast to all the greens and blues from the military outfits yep. and then the next scene is the shooting scene and it's like all these alien cardboard cutouts popping up everywhere. Like everyone is emptying their clips and Jay's just standing there kind of looking around. And then this little blonde pigtail girl pops up holding books and he like straight through the forehead shoots her. And so Kay comes in and they're like, the little girl he's like oh yeah and then he had stories for all of the aliens like that guy he was just working out this guy i he he's just got a cold he has a tissue in his hand but little tiffany here she's an eight-year-old in the ghetto with quantum physics books shit ain't right 
not just a little girl, a little white girl with a quantum physics book <laughs> in the ghetto. He says she's the one that sticks out in this whole scenario. And they don't say anything. And at, at this point, I believe they dismiss everybody and they're about to go get wiped and except for Agent J, mm-hmm. who clearly fits the bill. He doesn't like authority, but he thinks outside the box. He sees scenarios from a different perspective. And it fits like a glove. Kay was right. So they introduce him and bring him on board to the men in black. And then they're able to bring him into the actual headquarters. And he sees a lot of shit. It, yes. it, seems, it seems very gray, white, and black in there. A lot of people who are, I guess, the worker bees with white button-up shirts, which is interesting that... I'm just, I'm always questioning what the hierarchy of the situation is. Yeah. You know? Well, you get Nick Cannon in the second one for like two seconds. And if you look up his role, it's like autopsy technician or something like that. I think Nick Cannon was just like vying to be in a movie with Will Smith. I Probably. Because if you look at, especially the beginning of his career and just the comparisons to their personalities and stuff. Mm-hmm. It was a lot of like Will Smith comparison. So makes sense. So we see, like Danielle said, a whole shit ton of different aliens and the creativity for aliens always like fascinates me. And then they have kind of the hidden aliens up on a board in the middle of the room. And so you get a quick glance at some of those. Where's my list? The list of the people al roker was one george lucas was another steven spielberg sylvester stallone danny devito isaac mizrahi was another dion warwick the director barry sonnenfield and tony robbins it looks like and the director's daughter chloe so love love a good cameo Yes, love it. (laughs) So now we get the whole, let's put it on. Let's put what on? The last suit you'll ever wear. Is he going to, so I wonder, do they get buried in it? (laughs) I don't know, because for Kay, it technically wasn't true. He was a mailman. He had a different fit to wear in the second movie. But they said suit, not uniform. That's true. Maybe. So like essentially they, the stipulation for being a man in, man in black is that you, all traces of your identity are erased. You can't have outside relationships, no fingerprints, IDs are wiped out, birth certificates trashed, everything's gone. You are just a man in black, essentially no name. And the J's and K's are code and it's just the alphabet. I just feel like he didn't take long enough to really think about this. And it makes me think that the backstory of Jay and even Kay, that their lives are very sad because like, you don't have a mama, a brother, a sister, a cousin, like you are just, you're no one. No one knows you. It seems like Jay is just the job, you know, like- But yeah, that's fine. But you have no one that you're going to be like, okay, I'm fine with not seeing them. It 
at least when you're a priest and okay, you decide you're not going to have a family and, you know, get married and have kids fine, but you could still have people you're connected to. Mm -hmm. You can't have any of it. That seems weird to me. That's a lot. That's why Kay was out here begging aliens and shit. (laughs) Yes. It must be very lonely being a man in black. Yeah. Yeah. Which is probably why they cling to each other so much, you know? Yeah. It just doesn't seem like we learn from the Catholic church. It's not a, it's not a viable plan. It doesn't end well. Like Danielle, hmm. he makes this look good. Yo, these lines. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, how, how was I sweating Will Smith like this? These corny ass lines. Now we see an older gentleman finally dressed with his cat and he loves his cat and he happens to own a diamond store and he's locking up his diamond store because he's going to lunch with a friend and Edgar shows up, follows the older gentleman to lunch and we quickly realize that these two men are aliens And they're talking about getting the galaxy off world because they know the bugs are after them. And then Edgar comes in, folds a man in half. And then what does he do to them? He puts, he put, he puts them under the counter. Right. But what does he do to the aliens to kill them? Oh, he uses his like cockroach arms and just up the, up the the neck. That's right. And and the one of the aliens is so freaking tall, and there's the kitty already knows what's up because he's <laughs> everybody. What I do love is after he kills these people and he's getting the hell out of Dodge Edgar. There's this one man who's like, I don't think so or whatever. Like yeah. standing at the door, I was like, bruh, did you not see that cockroach hand? <laughs> I would have been like. Good luck. <laughs> Do you want a mint? <laughs> Hope you found everything you were looking for, sir. <laughs> come, don't come back. <laughs> so, oh, meanwhile, Kay and Jay are sent out on the first assignment, and it's because Reggie Reggie is out of his jurisdiction. Essentially, yeah. he's not supposed to go outside of his parameters. Yeah. yeah, the island of Manhattan. My question for you is, it seems like he's leaving Manhattan. Mm-hmm. So when they pull him over, he is on a road that is heading towards Manhattan. Oh. Because you can see the two towers in the distance. I have I no idea confused. where he was. I, did, <laughs> I honestly wasn't paying attention. <laughs> so this is Danielle's favorite scene in which... Kay is talking to Reg is Reggie. <laughs> you didn't note the sarcasm? I, I'm just stating facts. <laughs> so while Kay is talking to Reggie, Reggie's wife is in labor, using her tentacles, use it and just squeezing the life out of Jay. He has become her Lama's partner. What I'm confused about is obviously Kay is setting up Jay in this scene, knowing what's coming. Like he pulls the dad alien 
walks him up the road to have a conversation as if it was secretive or something. He's really trying to figure out why he There's would... a mass exodus. Yeah. Like, oh. there's a ton of aliens leaving planet. And, and he's and trying why, to figure out why. And why he would jeopardize the fact that his wife is about having a newborn because the jump to go to leave Earth would apparently affect the newborn when we find this out later when Mm -hmm. Kay is talking to his boss and like you said there's a mass exodus happening but also you're it's whatever it is must be so bad you're willing to risk your wife and your newborn baby so that was definitely an issue and then obviously Jay catches the (laughs) baby squid I almost want to turn my back around to the baby squid. No. <laughs> See, Jackie, I just made a PSA <laughs> to the people that are not nice to me. And you, my best friend. But I'm allowed to give no, you shit. I am terrified. <laughs> I am like one step away from being on Maury Povich from these things. Again. We need some immersion therapy for you. I don't want it. I just like keep them away from me. <laughs> Thank you. After K and J talk with Reggie, Kay's kind of starting to put everything together. He stops at a newspaper stand, grabs all the tabloids because apparently that's the real news. <laughs> I always knew it. <laughs> always knew it. In my theory, Jackie, that all the animals on this planet are really just different species of aliens. Kind of solidified in this movie just a bit with the cockroaches. I'm just saying. J and K are then sent out to talk to Beatrice. And that's when she goes into her whole spiel about <laughs> seemed like it was wearing an egger suit. Kept asking for sugar water. And, and then K goes out and looks at the the crash site evaluates the soil and is like oh it's it's the bugs now we're in the morgue with plain toast lady with laura (laughs) laurel laurel he's performing the autopsy on the two older gentlemen that were killed by edgar and the cat comes in with that the body which i was like well that cat's ride or die and that's sad and in his pocket uh, yeah and so she's like performing the autopsy and she realizes homeboy has no organs so i don't know what this situation is but shit ain't right right and k and jay are pretending to be from like the health department or something yeah and she picks up pretty quickly that jay doesn't know what the hell he's talking about and doesn't even know when organs are missing so he she 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 checks that pretty quickly and they both discovered the ear button the alien behind jackie if you're watching on youtube which scares me even more where it's a little tiny alien just in a mech it's like pacific rim but you mean power rangers or power rangers you mean power rangers I love this little alien. He is my favorite part of the whole movie because he's so fucking dramatic. And he's like, what's his word? All right. All right. 
What's his word? <laughs> I love it. With his like giant head and big eyes. Hmm. What makes me sad is that while he's even taking his last breaths, the lights are on so you know he's still alive. But the mm-hmm. moment he like sinks back into his little chair and he's slumps over the lights go out and you know he's dead i know and Orion loves him so much i love this little guy but they're like orion's belt orion is a constellation there's no galaxy on orion's belt orion's belt is made up of three stars and don't you think that i don't every time i see the constellation orion think in my head the galaxy is on orion's belt because I do for the past 25 years. I thought, haven't thought about it again. And, and you know what's funny? In my stupid ass mind, I'm watching this movie. I know I've seen it before. Don't remember anything, obviously. And I'm like, it's on the cat. It's on the cat. Like I was figuring some shit out for the first time. Yeah, Aww. that's me. Sherlock Holmes over here. I love that journey for you. Thank you. <laughs> I love that I could even pull my mind into blue. <laughs> Meanwhile, Zed is watching the screen of Earth and just seeing the mass alien exodus off of Earth. So there, he's like, we got to figure this shit out because like something's not right. Everyone's leaving Earth. Right. Um, and, while, and back at headquarters, while Zed <laughs> is watching the mass exodus, Kay's leisurely checking on his long lost love because he joined the men in black and she's just gardening and he's just spying on her. I don't like it, Kay. Don't like it one bit. And the keyboard acting in this scene. Hold on. The, Let me get my keyboard ahead. up. Okay. I'm ready. Okay. <laughs> So, yes, wonderful keyboard acting. The flashy thing, Laura, yes, after they figure out or hear the galaxies on Orion's belt, Edgar is back at the, he, when the two old men died, they dropped like this little silver container. So Edgar's very mad in the truck, <laughs> thrashing about trying to open it up and it's full of diamonds. And so Edgar's pissed because that's not the galaxy. And I'm like, send those to me. And then they also see an Archelian battle cruiser approaching Earth because the Archelians are like, we're not letting that bug get off Earth with the galaxy. We'll destroy the planet first. And so now they got another alien attack looming. And they have to go down to the jewelry store. So they need to weapon up. And Zed's like, give that kid a weapon. And so Kay <laughs> presents the noisy cricket, the tiniest little gun. And Jay's like, I don't know what the fuck this is. And, and Kay has like this giant ass gun. And, and Jay's not happy about it. So they go down to... Bigger is not always better it's when it true. comes to these damn sci-fi guns. And now Edgar goes to the jewelry store and is like just smashing shit up, trying to find the galaxy. And then he notices 
the shrine of Orion the cat on the wall and notices that the galaxy is on Orion's collar. The p, p, what is word built? I love that scene so much. And so Edgar knows what he has to do. He has to go back to the morgue where the cat is. J and K show up at the diamond shop. They're looking around. They're like, obviously someone was looking for something, but I don't think they found it. And then Jay sees the picture of the cat and puts two and two together. He's like, we got to get back to the morgue. And so now we get to Edgar walking into the morgue. We see David Cross as like the front office attendant. And which I think is hilarious that they didn't think we'd notice that David Cross was in this movie and then they put him again in the second movie as a different yeah. character. I was like, yeah. hold up. Wait a minute. He must be friends with someone and just be like, put me in coach. I'm ready to play. And so David Cross's character is like, what the fuck you want? Yes, the bell works. And he has a fly swatter because it's a morgue. So there's lots of flies around and he's swatting flies and Edgar is not happy about it. And so then he like spit wads him to the ceiling with goo, more goo for Danielle. So now he's in the back of the morgue trying to find the cat. He takes Laurel as a hostage, essentially, as Kay and Jay show up. They're looking all over. They're ringing the bell. No one's showing up. Jay goes into the back to look for Laurel while Kay is standing there trying to figure out what's going on and kind of keeping lookout and Kay gets dripped on and realizes the bug is here. Meanwhile, Laurel is standing behind a gurney and she's doing the worst flirting slash help me saying without saying help me I've ever seen. And Jay is just like, not getting what she's putting down yeah she's literally pointing to the ground and she's very much just saying i need help she she says i need your help i need you to see this i need you to come look at this he doesn't even come he's so enwrapped in thinking that she's trying to hit on him it's awful this whole scene i could have gone without and then obviously edgar jumps out or whatever and He's, he snatches Laurel, takes her in the cab. They try to catch him. And this is when they get into Kay's car. And Jay learns about how fast this old old bitty can move. And it goes upside down in the tunnel because they're heading out of New York. Oh, no, sorry. They're heading to Queens. My bad. They're heading to Queens. And um, they're listening to Elvis. And they're listening to Elvis. Jay is not doing so great. And they're heading to Queens where the World's Fair is. And they have the, they talked about this earlier that there are actually these tower things that are actually old Mm -hmm. alien ships. And that's where Edgar's trying to get to so he can get off. And he's taken Laurel because he needs a snack on the long long journey. I, I missed one of my other favorite quotes where Edgar's kind of looking for the morgue and he's like, where do you keep your dead? And the guy he grabs goes, I don't have any dead. <laughs> like, oh, you're so precious. Anyway, yes. So, and, and K and J are trying to figure out where he's going because he they know he needs a ship. 
And those two ships are on the wall of headquarters. So they're like, oh, bingo, that's where he's headed. So they head out there. It's actually, it's actually, isn't it Jay who points it out? Like they can't figure out where Edgar would be trying to go. And it's Jay that puts it together saying like, aren't these ships? So very smart job, Jay. Yeah. So the roach gets into the first ship and starts to take off. You see it flying over Met Stadium. Is that what it's called or is it called something different? Shea Stadium. Shea Stadium? Yes. Look, you knew a sports ball thing. I know a New York thing. (laughs) (laughs) So it's going over Shea Stadium. K and J shoot it down. So it comes crashing right back in front of them. Laurel... Prior to Edgar getting on the first ship, she was kicking and punching and scratching. And so she falls into a tree. And the way she is laying in this tree, just casually on the tiniest branch ever, is sus. But then K and J shoot the ship down. It lands right in front of them. It crashes through the World's Fair globe. So lots of destruction of, of historic artifacts. so Edgar is pissed that they shot down his first ship but there's a backup ship he finally takes off his Edgar suit so now he's just a giant ass cockroach he eats both of their guns so now they are weaponless and Kay says don't let him onto that second ship and then he's like ate me ate me and he gets very indignant about it and so Edgar obliges. He sounded more like Edgar. <laughs> <laughs> like, hey, my Edgar interchangeable. And Jay's now like, what the fuck? Kay just got eaten, but he told me to like keep him on the planet. So Jay's doing his best. He's got a fire branch. He's waving about and he's just being tossed around like a rag doll. And eventually he is thrown into the side of a dumpster And he stands up and he steps on a cockroach on accident the first time. Uh And Edgar's like, turn around. Like, what the fuck was that noise? And Jay's like, oh, I'm sorry. Was that your auntie? And so he kicks open the side of the dumpster and all these cockroaches start flying out. Jesus, (laughs) why? And he's just stomping on him. So the Humane Society was on set to make sure no animals were hurt even the roaches got better representation than most human beings on this planet just saying anywho they were on site to make sure no animal was hurt and what will smith is actually stepping on like mustard packets to make that nasty squish squish and yeah <sighs> I was like, let it be over. (laughs) And so during this part, Jay is catching his attention and he is really like squaring up with this guy, Roach, and aggravating him because at this point he kind of gets, because he can hear Kay's gun. Mm -hmm. And so he knows what's about to happen. And so he aggravate, uh, aggravates him enough so that he's distracted so he doesn't try to go anywhere. And sure enough, Kay bust a cap in that motherfucker's abdomen. He does. And so Kay and Jay are, are reunited. Yay, we saved the world. But 
What did Kay forget, Danielle? Double tap that bitch. Right. Because as they're sitting <laughs> there. Like, I, like, <laughs> I mean, I knew that you meant that he was coming back, but I knew you were trying to get me to say something. And I was just like, make sure a bitch is dead. <laughs> Shoot him twice. Shoot him in the head. <laughs> I didn't know what where we were going with this. So. <laughs> so luckily, Laurel was around and she shoots the half of Edgar that comes up and tries to eat K and J. Does he not chew? It's just a swallow. Is that what it is? Yeah. (sighs) 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 Apparently, Tommy Lee Jones has gone on record saying that he didn't mind all the gooey goo bits that were all over him, but he said it made Will Smith very upset. Will, I understand, bruh. I get it. Because even if it's fake, it's real. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) So we then find out that Kay wasn't training his partner. He was training his replacement. Please flashy thing me. And then there's a newspaper article from one of the tabloids. that says man wakes up from a 35-year coma and it's (laughs) Kay. Oh, and he's just up and walking. Yeah, okay. I do love Jay's collarless suit in this end scene here. Very nice, very chic. Shows that he's trying to elevate. Elevate, but also like, I'm in this, but I'm going to do it my way. Yeah. My way. My way. And then we see that Laurel is Jay's new partner, partner Al. There's a throwaway line about how Dennis Rodman is an alien. Disrespectful. (laughs) And then it pans all the way out. And apparently we're all just marbles. Oh. Then why we gotta have these bugs though? (laughs) Hey guys, I'm Darcy, founder of Spirit. And I'm Kelly, the Chief Technical Officer of Spirit. Back in 2011, we formed the Supernatural Paranormal Investigations and Research Institute, searching for answers to mysterious things that were happening in our little corner of Canada. And we haven't stopped searching for those answers ever since. Join us on our podcast, Canadian Spirit, as we dive into all of Canada's most famous and forgotten paranormal mysteries. Examine the evidence and try to figure out what might be behind Canada's ghosts, cryptids, and UFO encounters. In Canadian Spirit, you'll get a peek behind the curtain and see for yourself what being a paranormal investigator is really like. And learn something about Canadian history, which isn't as boring as it sounds. Even if it is, we're a pair of chuckle fucks, so we'll do our best to make it entertaining. So come along for the ride and discover for yourself what makes the land of maple and hockey so wonderfully weird. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Podchaser, you know, wherever you find your podcasts. And remember, raccoons are aliens, werewolves are perverts, and ghosts are just downright rude sometimes. Hopping over into MIB2. So we see the Columbia lady, the, you know, the lady with the torch, she flashy things us 
as the credits start. Did you say Columbia lady? Yeah. Oh. <laughs> what did you think I meant? <laughs> oh, hold on. I have to change my background from Men in Black to you. I've been having men in black do the whole I know you have and I didn't say anything because I know it's a struggle for you it is a struggle I ride the struggle bus it looks like I don't like how it's like the two towers behind me it's very looming just saying but I'm not switching when we did the camp episode I was really about that but these motherfuckers are still in the movie they are you know Y'all will be all right. (laughs) And her playing fucking Twister with these roaches. Oh, Jesus. Worms. They're worms. Sorry. The worms. And this is why I can't watch Tremors either. (laughs) And and there was Tremor-like things in this one. There was. A hundred percent, Jeff was a Tremor. You were correct. Or not a Tremor, a Graboid. That's their given name i really wanted my background to be you know when they first walk into the worm apartment and they're both like completely like yeah sideways i wanted that to be my background but i can find a picture of it how did they do that looks like the apartment was it short it just wasn't understanding what was it has short ceilings when you walked in mm-hmm. but then like if you went further in because they had a sunken in family room yeah then like it was tall enough for them to stand and what was he warning about the worm in the jeff the worm that's in the, the, the subway the jacuzzi the jacuzzi he oh. was like oh and stay away from him like what, what was it was weird. I don't know. it was like and the twister thing was like a weird sexual vibe but not really i just didn't understand like she enjoyed it look at her face she's so happy <laughs> okay so anyway Men in Black 2, we start the Columbia lady flashy things us. And then we go into kind of a spoof of the Twilight Zone, the tales of the unknown. They tell the story of Serlina looking for the light of Zara. The princess comes to Earth, asks the men in black to hide the light. It's against their code to do that. And so they had to politely decline. They don't get involved in intergalaxy beefs and bring it onto this Earth. Yes. And so they capture Serlina long enough for the Zarthinians to get off planet and then Serlina disappears for this movie got too complicated with the names, it felt like. Yeah, I had a lot of down. There was a lot of names. And I felt like the first one wasn't trying to bog me down with that. So I will not be trying to say these names. (laughs) Thank you, and you're welcome. So we see oh Serlina's ship flying through the galaxies heading back to Earth and like you think it's this huge ass ship but like when it lands it's like (laughs) 18 inches tall it's like a bottle rocket that's what it looks like and then just like this tiny little it reminds me of Audrey 2 from Little Shop of Horrors like slithers out And then there happens to be a discarded magazine. It flips over to a Victoria's Secret model played by Laura Flynn Boyle. And so it morphs into her lingerie and all. And then immediately a man comes up to her, holds a knife to her throat, is like, hey, pretty lady. And like licks the side of her face. It was gross. So he drags her off into the bushes. There's a lot of rustling. And then she comes out 
with the most cartoon belly I have ever seen. There's a few like weird fat phobic side comments that happen in the first movie and in this movie that rub me the wrong way. Yeah. Continue. So she looks down, sees her stomach, goes back behind the bushes, can only be shitting him out is what I am assuming. (laughs) And comes back out, her stomach's then flat. And then we see Jay and Patrick Wolburton. I just call him Kronk. So that's (laughs) who he's going to be for me. I know yeah. people oh I know him as other things. I think Putty from Seinfeld, but he's he'll always be Kronk to me. Yeah, so they're engaging a an alien. His part, I guess there's like a flower part of him. And just coming out of the gr- subway grate. Right. And Jay's just trying to have a conversation with him yep. about, you know, his behavior. They have allowed him to live in the subway for a long right. time. Like they've had an agreement with Jeff. Right. But his partner, Kronk, as Jackie calls him, comes um, in hot, comes in real hot, like agitates him, pulls his little flower. And then Jeff comes out all the way and he looks like fucking Tremor. Graboid. Whatever. Graboids make Tremors. Sorry. The fucking beast (laughs) from the movie Tremors. comes out you're correct so now jeff is pissed jay is sitting on top of him trying to shoot him up with some like tranquilizer it's not working he's getting knocked around by signs in the subway system so really this movie should start off with jay being decapitated it doesn't and now he's bobbing and weaving yeah that okay so the cgi or visual effects in this scene is really does not hold up anymore you know not to say that I don't give 100% props to the craft because I know how hard it is but yeah and so we see Jeff will eat subway cars I think like there's an agreement like hey Jeff don't eat subway cars (laughs) but now he's pissed and so he starts eating the subway car his whole mouth is full of just like teeth all the way down his throat (laughs) it just i'm just thinking about it and jay gets thrown through the window of the subway car so he's like everyone there's a bug in the electrical system i need you to go to the front car and everyone is ignoring him it's very new york (laughs) because Um, you get so many people who talk to themselves clip their toenails in the corner like you see so much shit on the New York transit line. So if a motherfucker in a suit busted in the middle of the ride through the window, eh, normal Tuesday. <laughs> All of a sudden, Jeff's upon them. And now everyone has understood the seriousness of the situation, except for Larry, the train conductor, who's like, no one gives directions on my train except for me. And- <laughs> okay, Larry. <laughs> okay. And Jay's like, well, there's that shit behind me. And then Larry's like, yes, everyone to the front. And the subway kind of pulls into the station and it has just like this teeny tiny little 
piece left where everyone's like crowded together. So Jake flashy things everyone, gets the hazmat team down, and now we're in the diner. Kronk is crying because he knows he's about to get flashy thinged because you take someone to a public place to do it. Like a breakup. Yep. So they can't make a scene. And so Kronk gets neuralized. And now we see Rosario Dawson's character, Laura. She works part-time at a pizza parlor with for this guy named Ben. She's known all her life. All my life, I pray pray for someone like you, and And I thank God that I finally found you. (laughs) So while Laura is down in the storage room getting the Mountain Dew, Lena shows up, and she's like, where is it? Whereas I know it never left earth. I want to know where the light of Zarthon is. And he's like, I'm not telling you. And meanwhile, Laura is like watching. She, right. She, she watching from afar. Ben says tomorrow night, the light will leave the third planet and return home. And then she sees Serlina like zap Ben on the head he just deflates like a balloon and splits in (laughs) half and she also has her goon played by Johnny Knoxville okay so for him getting this part it says that Keanu Reeves and Robert Downey Jr. both auditioned for the role of Scrod slash Charlie along with Johnny Knoxville what that doesn't even make sense that must be bad information because it. <laughs> I know I found it, but it just doesn't sit right with me. How? Yeah. Although Johnny Knoxville, like. He was huge at the time. And this character was kind of, I felt like tailored for him. He like he so fit the character so perfectly. I think that. Robert Downey Jr. could have played it. Yes. Yeah, Robert Downey Jr. is not afraid to be silly and goofy. Yes. I can't wait till we do Friends and Lovers because he he plays an aloof German guy in it and it's so fucking funny. Please, Hans. Anyway, so yeah, she said she hears something, Serlina hears something in the back. And so she sends Charlie and Scrud. And what Johnny Knoxville's character is, he's an alien, but he has like a second tiny head that like comes out of his back slash neck. Yeah. And they're like Tweedledee and Tweedledum is probably the best way to describe <laughs> them. So they go back, but Laura is able to hide underneath a table. And so they look and they're like, oh, the wind just knocked the door open. Don't investigate further. And so they leave and now we're back at headquarters. Jay's kind of getting reprimanded for neuralizing yet another partner. And so that's why we find out Agent L isn't back. Laurel from the first movie, they intended for her to reprise her role, but then she was dropped from the script is all we know about that. So this is when we get the quick Nick Cannon cameo. He brings in this very large dead alien that they have to go put in like a storeroom somewhere. There's a lot of cameos in this one. 
Mm-hmm. My favorite, Michael Jackson. H&M. <laughs> I just love that he played into his oddness and the fact that obviously all the tabloids, there's so many things that say that he's an alien himself. So yeah, or was an alien. Yeah. So Jay's informed that there was a killing at the pizzeria. And so he goes to investigate. He needs a temporary partner till he gets a new one. And so Frank, the dog is like, put me in coach. I'm ready. I love that the pug that played this Frank they had to dye his little fur hair because he got gray from the last movie, like the three years in between. Because he was getting old and dog years. His name was Mushu. <laughs> Mushu the, dog, the pug. So we see Jay has what he refers to as the new hotness, which is a Mercedes sedan that's decked out an upgrade from the first movie. So Frank living his best life he's out on the beat he is singing i will survive jay is not amused and so they show up at the pizzeria obviously laura is distressed she just watched this guy he, she's known all her life die in front of her but he's like a rubber suit by a lady with plants for fingers and a two-headed gentleman like she's all sorts of like what the fuck and so he's like, oh, I think you need pie. At first, I thought he just meant pizza from her own pizzeria. But no, he takes her to the diner to actually get some pie. And she goes into this spiel about when we were kids, our hearts tell us there's something else out there. Just tell me what's going on. Right. Essentially, I'm not going to freak out. I just need to know what the fuck. And so Jay does tell her about Men in Black. And she's just like, Okay. So, and then she kind of sympathizes with him. She's like, it must be hard and very lonely to be a man in black. And so you start seeing this attraction between the two of them. Jane knows he's supposed to neuralize her, but just can't bring himself to do it. And so he's like, oh, I'll just neuralize her later. And like, he explains the neuralizer to her and she's like, you got to do what you got to do. And then he decides not to. Then Jay goes and investigates Serlina's ship that's in the park. And after investigating, confirming that Serlina is now on earth again, Zed who Zed, I feel like is the Dumbledore of Men in Black. Because mm-hmm. I feel like he knows all this shit, but he's like, you need to go discover for yourself. Go get the one who actually knows it's Kay working at the post office. And so Jay shows up at the post office just I think, about. I think go that's good though, because I mean, obviously he could just tell him everything he knows, but I think experiencing it knowing that eventually all this knowledge is going to have to be passed down some way somehow because essentially they're the first generation of this there because they found out this when Kay was younger Mm -hmm. so it's not like there's been legacies and legacies of information in books and stuff it's just this group of men who started so I think that's kind of cool that he's letting him kind of work through it instead of just telling him and jay is hard-headed as fuck he won't listen so it's better that he learns by doing he's a kinetic learner 
It's true. So he's sent to go recover K because there is a de-neuralizer at headquarters just in case. Right. So they're like, go get K. We'll bring him in, de-neuralize him, and he can help us out with this case because he worked that initial case. And so Jay goes to the post office. K's like, what the fuck are you talking about? And so then Jay goes into the back room with him and starts beatboxing. Biz Marquis beatboxes back. <laughs> and tells everyone else okay this guy is cool and they start revealing themselves and so it's like another guy that's just holding a head on a stick there's a guy that just wears a torso on his head and then the mail sorter looks like it's a machine but if you look on the other side it's just an alien with a ton of arms like throwing envelopes into and I feel like this actor has played an alien. He was also in Sydney White. He always plays kind of off the beat, odd characters. I just wonder how that makes them feel. Yeah, you know? I agree. Because he also, he played that character, the male sorter alien, but he also plays one of the bird aliens you see later on in, at headquarters. So Kay's not entirely convinced, but Jay's like, I know you stare at the stars and you want to know why. So if you want to find out why, come find me. I'll be in my car. And like Kay almost immediately gets in. (laughs) And so get back to headquarters. This is when we see Michael Jackson. He's doing some intel for Men in Black. And he's like, can I be an agent now? You can call me Agent M. And they're like, oh, we're still working on that alien affirmative action program, which is bullshit because Frank works at Men in Black and he's an alien. But Frank has been like a snitch for the, I don't know. Like, But they were using the alien affirmative action not being passed yet as like an excuse why they can't hire him. It's a... politics so they go in they give jay now it's his turn to give k the noisy cricket they give him his old suit he has this weird photo of him just like pointing at something in his suit pocket and then they start the denuralization process but at that time serlina comes into headquarters and kind of like binds everyone up in a tanglia type situation so they have to run out they have to leave and then they have to find another way to denuralize k so they obviously head to their boy monk and obviously he has some bootleg version of the dune and they put k in and but serlina also frees some prisoners that men in black had as like her henchmen so she sends them after k and j right k doesn't feel like it works right away he still doesn't know anything But Monk yells that, hey, it's going to take a little while because it's not updated software. Yeah. But he sells them out. He lets the henchmen know that they're there. So they, you know, they've got to escape pretty much. And And Jay is like getting his ass kicked. And then all of a sudden, Kay shows up because he has that moment on the street where he starts noticing odd things and so he runs back in and starts helping jay out my favorite alien second to tiny head alien is the balshinian right cracks me up every time his balls are in his head nutsack under the chin balshinian yeah brilliant 
So they successfully defeat all of the goons. Lena now is fighting with Zed. And Zed is doing weird flippy things. I did not care for this part. Unnecessary. Unnecessary. Boring. (laughs) Just like tomatoes, tomatoes, tomatoes. Yeah. I guess Riptorn wanted more to do and wanted to be in the action in this episode. Like this movie just seemed more campy than the first one, but not campy because of the premise, but campy because of just throwing even more nonsense. I, I, I hate the idea that when we get sequels, they just have to be bigger and, and better. And yeah, I, I feel like it can still be better. Just stick to the plot line, stick to the the characters we love, add those little nuggets in there and call it a day. But all the cameos and unnecessary, like it takes you out of the movie. Oh, yeah. that's Nick Cannon. Why? Even though I did like having Michael Jackson because it was funny, it's still just too much. Because in the first one, they just kind of have them on the wall behind them so it was right. kind of almost like an easter egg like you're looking behind him like oh Sylvester Stallone's an alien right. and like moving on and, and where it's not as in your face as the second one is yeah it's just it doesn't play well because you have to decide are you going to kind of, the first one had more of a it was comedy but the comedy and the drama of it and the sci-fi of it was mixed a little bit better mm-hmm. The second one was just re- kind of family over the top, not cool. And um, yeah. I just I didn't love that part. Yeah. I don't like that. I don't like that. Also, the other thing is the great relationship between these two, the balance was that K is the straight man and J is the comedy. Mm-hmm. And all the way up until K gets his memories, Jay is very much the straight guy and it just doesn't work. Yeah. Because K, he has his moments of funniness, but it just, it's not weighing out. And so it's, I feel like that's maybe why they, they got so heavy with the crap, you know, to yeah. try to make these comedic things because Will couldn't be over the top until Tommy got his memories back. Yeah. And even still, he still seems very subdued in comparison to how he was in the first movie. What movies did he do in between Men in Black and Men in Black? Itch. No. It was Ali because it was hard for him to fit into his suits in this movie because he had gotten so big. So I'm That's wondering right. if just being in that mindset of that character kind of lingered with him. I just think that you know, these characters kind of take a hold of you just being in that presence. And I think this is his transition in trying to be more into some serious roles. Mm-hmm. So it, it could have been that, I don't know, but he was, it was just after he did Ollie. So that was a heaviness to it. Yeah. Cause he had done enemy of the state, which is a straight action movie. Mm-hmm. Wild Wild West is a comedy. Legend of Bagger Vance is another. So he was coming off of two, two different dramas legend of bagger vance and ali yeah so he probably wasn't in his groove as well so while serlina is fighting with zed she sees the dead alien kind of moving so she knows something's down there she figures out that it's frank and so she makes frank call jay 
and say, we need you back at headquarters or no, well, she, she uses her she, own voice to do it, but right. it's also because it's not just that she saw the alien moving, but it's because he called Zed and was just like saying Jay and blah, blah, blah. So then she knew he was in there. Yeah. Yeah. So Jay and Kay go to Laura and they're like, you're not safe at the pizzeria. Like shit's going down. And Kay, the picture that's in his pocket matches like a picture that's hanging on the wall. And it's like him pointing. And and Jay goes through this whole like, oh, you're pointing to this picture, which is pointing in this picture who puts pizza boxes like this, blah, blah, blah. Meanwhile, there's like a key hanging on the wall next to the initial picture where Jay, <laughs> Kay's pointing. And so Kay's like, this is what we need. Let's go. And we need to take her to a safe house. So the safe house is the worms. And I just can't believe the worms can afford an apartment in the city. I think like Men that. in Black puts them up, which I do love how they explain that it's not a government operation in the first movie and that most of their money comes from patents on the, some of the inventions that they've gotten from the aliens. Yeah. I thought that was a cool idea and i'm my as a conspiracy theorist i 100 percent believe that something like this exists and i liked how they explain also the deja vu which is very common with the matrix and i think our men in black here in the united states doing a bad job because why we keep on getting all these reports telling us aliens are real i'm scared that a movie like this was put out so we know in our heads that this is a possibility so that when they spring these fucking aliens out on us we won't freak out but not me not me you're gonna have to sedate me you're gonna have to sedate me I'm not gonna be fine with this <laughs> I'm not I'm not gonna and I feel really bad the aliens might be really nice and I feel like I'm being prejudiced but they look fucking scary and creepy and ugly to me and I can't do it I'm done but if it's your future husband Danielle fuck what what what? (laughs) no you can have inner inner alien species love if i don't even want to deal with the dudes on earth now you're telling me i'm gonna deal maybe they're better on another he's gonna have to wear his human skin i'm not gonna lie (laughs) he's gonna have to be in the bar (laughs) not edgar i can't that's roaches jackie no the one in the head. I could do that one. Okay. Selena, no, because she gonna eat me <laughs> and shit me out in the bushes. <laughs> not the worms. There, there's not. No, I can't. And the tall guy. Uh-uh. Just let me be alone. <laughs> Maybe he's my future husband. What kind of fucking best friend are you? I'm questioning. I'm trying like, to find you a husband. I'm That's Well, you said human men ain't shit, so I'm I'm thinking outside the box, Danielle. You offered the alien first before I even got to human. Oh, you've told me before. That is true, but I I don't think we're there yet, Jackie. The desperation has not seeped in. I'm gonna find you a nice alien gentleman. Just get me a good vibrator and call it a day. So Laura is at the safe house. Kay is getting on to Jay for not neuralizing her. And Jay's like, well, not yet. She can help us out, blah, blah, blah. 
And now they go to a train station where the key is from. They open up the train station and it's like this whole colony of little people. <laughs> All hail Kay! And they're like cheering and so excited. They look he like is- the little people from Whoville. I'm not going to lie. A little bit. Mixed with Ewoks. Yes. And they are having the time of their lives. They are. Locker. So Kay's like, what did I leave you guys? And they're like, the time piece. And it's his watch. <laughs> so he takes it, but they're like, how do we tell time? So Jay has to replace it with his watch. And he's like, anything else? And they're like, the tablet. And it's a video card, which <laughs> I loved. And so, and then they're like reciting everything on the video card, like free rental every Wednesday. It's so (laughs) precious. So now they go to the video store and they're like, Hey, can you tell me anything about this account? And she's like, yeah, you put a video on hold that you never picked up. And it was the episode of the unsolved mysteries from the beginning that we saw. And in the video, we see that there is a charm bracelet. So now that they know what they're looking for, Jay's kind of connecting the dots, calls Laura and is like, hey, do you have a charm bracelet on your wrist? She's like, yeah. And he's like, is it doing anything? Is it glowing? And she's like, yeah, it's never done that before. So they know that she has the light now. Did you notice the video girl? You know who that is, Danielle? No. That is Julie the Cat Gaffney. Oh, you don't say. Hands. <laughs> Makes me love her more. Yep. That's who she is. And this is where we see David Cross in his second Men in Black saga appearance as the video store manager, owner. It seems like he lives above it with his mama. The, the video store living with his mama conspiracy aliens exist theorists pathetic guy also he's gonna murder his mother (laughs) that is alluded to yeah and the video store girl is like i want to go to cambodia and get a lobster dinner for a dollar so they find out all the information they need from him about that episode and when they're neuralizing him they're like take this girl to Cambodia pay more than a dollar for a lobster dinner and move out your mama's house and that's when we see him pick up a shovel and say mom meanwhile Selena has enlisted Jara who is another released prisoner to fashion her a spaceship to get the light off the planet and then this is where Selena calls pretending to be Frank and I think they tell Frank that Laura is at the safe house with the worms. So she sends her henchmen out to go get Laura. Well, I think they also tell her that she has a light, no? Yeah. And then, you know, they steal her. And so then they have to go back to headquarters. The Frank was supposed to like make sure everything was, all the security was down, but clearly he didn't do that because he's been captured. They yeah. get down there, they start. <laughs> well, they they have they need weapons first, and right. so they, so go, they to- go back to Kay's old house apartment, where now we see it's 
the director and his family are actually cameoing in the scene and they, you know, neuralize them as they get all their weapons with the worms because they're down the clown. Yes. They, they pull themselves together after being cut in half. And so now they're, we see Laura is in the spaceship and J and K are in the elevator. They come down, they're all hanging on the ceiling because there's like a bullet robot just shooting up the shit. I miss my favorite part, which is the security man minding his business, reading the newspaper and said, it's about time y'all got here because she was just you know, a little weird around here. Like just yeah. whatever his line was, was fucking He like hilarious. pulls the hot dog off of himself and goes back to reading his paper. It's like, it's about damn time because <laughs> that just about made me laugh. <laughs> <laughs> so, In a minute. <laughs> I'm going to need a little K&J to pump me up. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, now there's a robot cannon in the elevator. It's shooting everything. After it stops, Jay's like, I'm going to need you to cover me because obviously Frank didn't do what we asked him to do. They try to send in the worms and the worms are like, fuck no, we're not going in there. (laughs) We're going to stay up here. Thanks. So K... Being a mailman for a number of years is able to hang upside down by his feetsies and shoot at the bullet robot so that Jay can get out of the elevator. Yeah. <laughs> and not, then none of this made sense after a while. Not only that, but then swing back up backwards and re-hold on to the ceiling makes no goddamn sense at this point they're i think they split up because now jay is going to fight this other release prisoner to get to his girl Tara. yeah and then jay is going after selena serlina serlina and he tells jay like don't come back yeah don't come back for me so we pretty much know now that Kay is putting his life on the line Jay is able to defeat Jara and get his girl, Laura. She didn't have faith he was going to make it because he was getting his ass whooped. Yeah. I love how he gets dumped in those like plastic tubey things and the way he's like inchworming himself out. <laughs> Fucking hilarious. Jay then shoots Serlina because she has K. She's captured K now. And Jay ends up shooting Serlina and blowing her to bits. And then they have to head to where, well, Jay, Kay doesn't really quite say where they're going, but he takes Jay and Laura, Laura. because he knows, obviously he knows some information that Jay just doesn't know at this point. And they go to a location where it's actually Laura's ship. Yes. But meanwhile, there's a tiny little piece of Serlina remaining as like a little flower bud. And so she regenerates herself Mm. and goes after them. They're in the car. They have to hit the red button and it turns the car into like a spaceshipy machine. (laughs) A is trying to drive. It's a PlayStation controller. Serlina is shooting at them. Frank's not helping. The worms aren't helping. And then 
Oh, and then Kay and Jay finally switch places and Jay's like, okay, he has a Hail Mary plan to get rid of Serlino once and for all. So he goes down into the subway. So now they're flying in the subway. He's like, where is he? Where is he? And they see Jeff. And at the last moment, they pull up and go out an exhaust vent. And Serlina's like, shit, and flies straight into the open jaws of Jeff. So Kay reveals to Laura that she is actually the daughter of the original holder of the light and that there's her planet is waiting for her to come save them with the light and then they see like this kind of triangle prism ship and she has to go and obviously it's very hard for jay it's hard for laura even though they've known each other for two seconds but hey i believe in love at first sight they get inside the spaceship well she finally decides to go and and also the 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 light the bracelet has like a detonation time after a certain time it's going to blow up if it doesn't get back to its home planet so it will kill earth as well so she really has to bust a move and get the hell out of there and so she goes but as she's going jeff comes up with serlina and so then of course jay gets pulled up by her tentacle things and he's getting beat up and laura's like oh my god my boo what's gonna happen to him and and then Kay says the famous line that he said in the first movie which is oh he's fine he'll be all right he does this all the time and Jay is fine he's able to get out of the clutches and Serlina is dead dude so this is why Kay had to wipe his memory essentially and all this other stuff and then Jay asked a very important question which is was that bitch your daughter because we know Kay sleeping with aliens yeah, Ken had the same question. So Ken had never seen this movie. Hmm. What was and it, he, he was just the whole time like, let's go. Let's go. <laughs> like it was brand new for him. And then at the end, he was just like, so wait a minute. <laughs> Is Rosario Dawson, I think he called her Becky from another Kevin Smith movie, oh, Clerks 2. From Clerks 2. He's like, so wait, is Becky Kay's daughter? I'm like, it's alluded to. I don't think it's ever confirmed. And he's just like, huh, okay. But after the movie, he was like, that was very enjoyable. I really like that. (laughs) He said, five-day rental was his (laughs) review for it. And then playing from Lovey's Mac Mini. And then from there, this is when we see the Statue of Liberty actually denoralize the entire city, which I thought was cool. Yeah, so Laura gets off planet. They shoot up Serlina. She turns into a million fireworks over the city. And then the Statue of Liberty's torch is a giant-ass neuralizer. Oh, right, neuralizer, not denoralizer. My bad. And that, that, is that it? And then they are back at headquarters Kay is giving Jay a pep talk about losing Laura and they open right. a door and they're but tiny tiny people in a giant ass train station locker for Monsters Inc yes exactly I guess we're in the same universe as Monsters Inc <laughs> so yeah the only thing we missed I think was the most ridiculous line of this movie was where Kay's telling Laura that she's special and he's special like, did you have a special K? 
So he's like, did you ever notice that it rains when you're sad? And she's like, everybody cries when it rains. And he's like, it rains because you cry. Worst line of the movie. (laughs) It all was just like, okay. And then she's in her ship being sent off to her home planet. And it's raining in the spaceship because she's crying because she has to leave Jay. And that is Men in Black. Uno y dos. Glad it's over. <sighs> what we missed, Danielle? Jack Nicholson insisted on the casting of Laura Flynn Boyle because at the time they were dating and Sony was very keen on getting Nicholson to be in the Adam Sandler movie Anger Management. So it seems as if there was an exchange of goods and services for That's that weird. to happen. Which is crazy because Halle Berry, Jennifer Lopez, and Yeardley Smith all auditioned for Selena. And Famke Jansen was originally cast as Selena, but had to drop out due to a death in her family. And I feel like she would have brought the heat. This would have been a totally different movie if she was Selena. Yeah. 100%. Um, John Turturro and Bruce Campbell were both offered the part of Edgar. Like I said, no one can replace Vincent D'Onofrio. And I feel like John Turturro and Monk Monk are kind of similar. Like they they have that raspy voice and they played brothers on Monk. Oh, did they? Yeah. Well, that's probably why I feel (laughs) Yeah, so that would have kind of thrown us off for sure. So we can't end without talking about, obviously, their suits. But for the iconic suits, costume designer Mary E. Voigt made an effort. Is it Voigt? Made an effort to avoid looking too much like the Blues Brothers. So she said she, she was inspired by Cary Grant's classic gray suit in North by Northwest. The suits are impeccable obviously 10 out of 10 the crew had to shoot 15 takes of edgar drinking the sugar water and according to barry sonnenfeld by the end of the day vincent d'onofrio was high on sugar i can only imagine (laughs) so smith won a grammy for the movie's theme song for the first movie it was actually his first time winning a grammy solo without dj jazzy jeff um Mm which I thought was cool. And they made two versions of the soundtrack for the first movie. One was the soundtrack from Danny Elfman and an album of like all the the music he composed. And then the second one was of the Men in Black song with Will Smith. And Sonnenfeld complained that Jones ruined multiple takes by making laser gun noises with his mouth whenever he had to act out shooting his weapon. Jones was apparently (laughs) unaware he was doing this. but it made smith laugh whenever the director caught his co-star making his own sound effect which was the same for ewan mcgregor making his lightsaber boys and their weapons i tell ya boys and their toys i do think it's interesting how you know this movie is synonymous with the suits but also the ray-bans but they did not really the director fought about mentioning Ray-Bans as the brands it didn't feel natural to him and Ray-Bans like were begging and pleading for for them to be in the movie they were in Will Smith's video as well so 
regardless, it, it, I don't. I think maybe it was mentioned once or alluded to once as Ray Bans in the movie, but reportedly sales increased three to five fold, bringing in as much as five million dollars. It is a lyric in in the rap. Yes, it's in the rap, but yeah, I but not in the movie. Not in the movie. Yeah, yeah. So before we get into our ratings. Remember, you can hit us up at No More Late Fees on Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, Twitter, and YouTube with your thoughts of Men in Black. Are you a little scaredy bitch like me who finds the creepy crawlers to drive you a little insane? Are you ride or die like Jackie? Do you love it brand new like Ken? Just tell us. Let us know. All right, Jackie, give us your rating. Okay, so my rating for Men in Black 1 Mm-hmm. Is still would buy it. I own it. Men in Black 2. Mm, I'm torn between a five and a two day. I'm going to give it a two day. I mean, it just didn't have the, the je ne sais quoi that the, the first one did. The heart. I know Men in Black 2, still two day rental. Hasn't changed. I struggle with the men in black one. I just know I'm not going to watch it again. Because of the the squirm factor. The squirm factor. And I just, I didn't get anything from it. You know what? I will rewatch evolution, even though that has a lot of creepy crawlers, but I love that movie. I love evolution. I can't wait to do that one. So I'm sorry. It's a two-day two day still, yeah. For both? Uh-huh, mm-hmm. The heart wants what it wants. It does. It's usually you that's really giving it a hard time when... Yeah. <laughs> that's not true. Was... I give it a hard time all the time. But... <laughs> well, if you have an opinion, uh, feedback, if you want to suggest a future movie, if you have blockbuster video stories, Stephanie did text me and she said she really loved our blockbuster stories from our Pecker episode. And I told her, we'll try to remember more, but you know, the brains, they don't remember much. So tell her to put in a voice message and it might inspire some additional <laughs> blockbuster memories. It's pay for play around here, Stephanie. Okay. <laughs> So Stephanie, the quick drop number is 909-601-NMLF, 909-601-6653. And you could be featured on a future episode. And stay tuned for next week as we head back to Egypt with our pod pal Sam for The Mummy Returns. And as always, be kind and rewind.